This is a recording of Under the Taking Away of Their Stumbling Blocks, the taking away and keeping back of plain and precious things and their restoration, in 1 Nephi 13-15, through 15, by Matthew L. Bowen, published in Interpreter, a journal of Latter-day Saint faith and scholarship, read by Victor Worth. Abstract. In the latter part, 1 Nephi 13-14, through 14, of his vision of the tree of life, 1 Nephi 11-14, through 14, Nephi is shown the unauthorized human diminution of Scripture and the Gospel by the Gentile great and abominable church, that plain and precious things, words, teachings, and covenants were taken away from, or otherwise kept back, from the text that became the Bible, and how people lived out its teachings. He also saw how the Lord would act to restore those lost words, teachings, and covenants among the Gentiles, quote, unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks, 1 Nephi 14.1. The iterative language of 1 Nephi 13, describing the taking away and keeping back of Scripture, bears a strong resemblance to the prohibitions of the Deuteronomic canon formula texts, Deuteronomy 4.2, 12.31, Masoretic text 3.1. It also echoes the ideological meanings attached to the name Joseph in Genesis 30, 23-24, in terms of taking away and adding. Nephi's prophecies of scripture and gospel restoration, on account of which, quote, the Gentiles shall be no more, cf. Hebrew lo yosipu od, brought down into captivity, and the house of Israel shall no more, Wello Yosipu Ode, be confounded, first Nephi fourteen two, and quote, after that they were restored, they should no more be confounded, Wello Yosipu Ode, neither should they be scattered again, Wello Yosipu Ode, first Nephi fifteen twenty, depend on the language of Isaiah, like other Isaiah based prophecies of Nephi, e.g. 2 Nephi 25:17-21 and 29:1 through 2 they echo the name of the prophet through whom lost scripture and gospel covenants would be restored i.e. through a Joseph as has already been widely noted the genesis narrative etiologizes the name Joseph in terms of two homonymous yet somewhat antonymous roots asap gather, bring in, withdraw, take away, and yasap, add, continue to do, carry on doing, increase, do again more. Quote, and she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away, asap, my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, Yosep, and said, the Lord shall add, Yosep, to me another son. Genesis 30, 23-24 I have elsewhere suggested that the antonymous meanings attached to the name Joseph are important to Nephi's prophetic view of the Lord, quote, setting his hand again, Yosip, to gather Israel, 1 Nephi 11, 11-12, and proceeding, Yosip, to bring forth the sealed book, Isaiah 29, 14, that, quote, the promise may be fulfilled unto Joseph, close quote, 
son of Jacob. Second Nephi 25:17 and 21, CF 29:1 through 2, and the prophetic role of a future raised-up seer, eponymously named Joseph. The occurrence of this antonymous double etiology for Joseph, in terms of taking away, gathering, and adding, in a work attributable to the authority, if not the direct authorship, of Moses, has implications for the Lord's words to Moses, quote, And in a day when the children of men shall esteem my words as naught, and take, i.e. take away, many of them from the book which thou shalt write, Behold, I will raise up another like unto thee, and they shall be had again, cf. Hebrew Yosipu, among the children of men, among as many as shall believe. Moses 141, 2 Nephi 3. This latter text should be understood in connection with the Deuteronomic canon formula text. In my use of this term, I somewhat follow Bernard Levinson, who describes canon formulas as warnings against adding to or taking away from a particular work, quote, to preclude both literary and doctrinal innovation by safeguarding the textual status quo, close quote. The Deuteronomic canon formula texts, also a part of the body of texts traditionally ascribed to Moses, include Deuteronomy 4.2, quote, Ye shall not add, lo tosipu, unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught, wello tigreu, from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you, close quote, and Deuteronomy 12.32, Masoretic Text 13.1, quote, What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add, lo tosep, thereto, nor diminish, wello tigra, from it. Close quote. The Hebrew verb gara constitutes a synonym of Hebrew asap and the direct antonym of the Hebrew verb yasap whence the name Yosef derives in the Deuteronomistic canon formula texts. In this study, I wish to apply these observations to that part of Nephi's vision of the tree of life, in which an angel shows Nephi, quote, the formation of that great and abominable church, close quote, among the Gentiles that corresponds to, quote, the great and spacious building, close quote, in his father's dream. The angel shows Nephi that this church, quote, takes away, close quote, from the gospel and from scriptural records, including from what would eventually constitute the version of the book that would go forth from the Jews to the Gentiles, i.e. the Bible, Old and New Testaments, many, quote, plain and precious things or words, close quote, and even covenants, First Nephi 13, 26-29, and 32-34. Nephi understood that the prophetic work to which a latter-day seer bearing the name Joseph would be called would constitute a divinely aided work to restore these losses. See 2 Nephi 3, 6-15. Accordingly, Nephi's final use of the canon formula influenced take-away motif in 1 Nephi 14, 1, quote, in that day, the Lord shall manifest himself unto the Gentiles in word and also in power, 
in very deed, under the taking away of their stumbling blocks, close quote, describes the reversal of the taking away of scriptural words, gospel truths, and divine covenants. Additional explanatory wordplay in 1 Nephi 14.2, quote, The Gentiles shall be no more, cf. Hebrew, lo yosipu od, brought down into captivity, and the house of Israel shall no more, lo yosipu od, be confounded, close quote, and 1 Nephi 15.20, quote, And after that they were restored, they should no more be confounded, neither should they be scattered again, close quote, further suggests that Nephi had the meaning of the name Joseph with its double ideology and the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant in mind. Taking away or keeping back the integrity of the divine word and its human diminution. As a literary phenomenon, biblical texts employing the so-called canon formula have direct relevance for 1 Nephi 13-14, through and the deliberate taking away or keeping back of plain and precious words, concepts, and truths from sacred texts and covenants, e.g. Deuteronomy 4.2, 5.22, Masoretic Text, 12.31, Masoretic Text 13.1, Proverbs 36, and Revelation 22.18-19. The most famous of the biblical canon formula texts Revelation 22, 18-19, declares the acts of adding and taking away from the text of the Biblion, single book, of John's Revelation, will activate adding and taking away as curses. Quote, If any man shall add epithe unto these things, God shall add epithese hotheos unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Gegramenas en to biblio tuto, and if any man shall take away, athale, from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away, athale, his part, out of the tree of life, and out of the holy city. And from the things which are written in this book, Gegramenon en to biblio tuto, close quote. It seems significant, then, that Nephi's vision had the original, whole, untampered-with autograph of John's revelation in view. Quote, The things which he shall write are just and true, and behold, they are written in the book, i.e. the Bible. And at the time the book proceeded out of the mouth of a Jew, the things which were written were plain and pure and most precious, and easy to the understanding of all men. 1 Nephi 14.23 This description strongly suggests that John's text, despite its canon formula and attendant warnings, would suffer from unauthorized additions and deletions in its dissemination and transmission. It may be that the Revelation 22.18-19 canon formula itself constitutes the Lord's or John's effort to safeguard the text of Revelation, but it is also possible that these verses constitute a later addition to the text of Revelation, intended to stabilize a text tradition that had already suffered the diminution of its divinely inspired contents. In any case, 
First Nephi 13 through 14 appears to have in view such unauthorized additions to, and more particularly, subtractions from divine covenants and law, and the holy texts in which divine covenants and law are inscribed, just as do the Deuteronomic can formula texts. Jeremiah, a contemporary of Lehi and Nephi, received instructions from the Lord in the language of the Deuteronomic canon formulas, not to diminish or take away even a word from the divine message the Lord intended him to give his fellow Judahites. Quote, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I command thee to speak unto them, Diminish not, al tigra, a word, debar. Jeremiah 26.2 Taken together, the foregoing examples help us appreciate how seriously the Lord regards the integrity of his words and his works. Many of the covenants of the Lord have they taken away, the great apostasy and the Gentiles' doctrinal diminution of the Savior's gospel. After seeing in vision the fall of his own people, 1 Nephi 12, 13-21, CF 1 Nephi 15, 4-5, and the dwindling of the Lamanites in unbelief, 1 Nephi 12, 22-23, Nephi describes seeing the latter-day nations of the Gentiles who would populate the land of promise and their origin, see 1 Nephi 13, 1-19, including the great apostasy. John W. Welch observes that, quote, the longest scriptural prophecy about the apostasy and the years is found in Nephi's vision in 1 Nephi 13, close quote. In 1 Nephi 13, 20, Nephi states that he, quote, beheld a book, close quote, among these Gentiles, and that, quote, it was carried forth among them, close quote. When Nephi's angelic guide asks if Nephi understands, quote, the meaning of the book, close quote, Nephi responds that he does not know the meaning of what he was seeing, 1 Nephi 13.21-22. The angel then explains that the book, quote, proceedeth out of the mouth of a Jew, close quote, and that it constituted, quote, a record of the Jews, which contain the covenants of the Lord, which he hath made unto the house of Israel. Quote, a record that quote, containeth many of the prophecies of the holy prophets, quote, and a quote, record like unto the engravings upon the plates of brass, save they are not so many, First Nephi 13.23. Regarding the contents of the plates of brass, Robert J. Matthews offered the following, quote, The plates of brass contained a record beginning with the five books of Moses down to Jeremiah. Only a portion of the time period of the Old Testament and none of the New. Yet the reduced version of the whole Bible, the Bible with which we are acquainted, containing both the Old and New Testaments, is not so many as the record on the plates of brass. Close quote. If this is the case, the angel's statement quote, gives us a clue as to just how much has been taken away and lost to our present Bible. Close quote. Thus, these writings, with their prophecies and covenants, were, quote, of great worth unto the Gentiles, 
1 Nephi 13.23. The angel's statements readily identify the book as the writings that come to constitute the canonical Bible, the English term ultimately deriving from Greek biblia, books, both Old and New Testaments. The angel then informs Nephi that these writings, in their original, pre-canonical form and meaning, had gone forth from their Jewish authors in purity, long before these writings had come to comprise the canonical book previously described. As Matthew suggests, quote, that this reduction was deliberate and not simply caused by carelessness or by the difficulties encountered by transcription and translation is further emphasized by the angel. Quote. The angel continues thus, quote, Wherefore these things, words, go forth from the Jews in purity unto the Gentiles, according to the truth which is in God. And after that they go forth by the hand of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, from the Jews unto the Gentiles, behold, after this thou seest the formation of that great and abominable church, which is most abominable of all other churches. For behold, they have taken away from the gospel of the Lamb many parts which are plain and most precious, and also many covenants of the Lord have they taken away. And all this have they done that they might pervert the right ways of the Lord, that they might blind the eyes and harden the hearts of the children of men. First Nephi 13.25-27 CF First Nephi 14.23 Nevertheless, Nephi has shown that writings and teachings would not remain as they, quote, came from the pen of the original writers, close quote. Writings and teachings that would be subject to a transmission process resulting in their deliberate alteration, both in terms of actual textual loss and a loss of the text's original intended meaning. Welch writes, quote, This stage possibly could have occurred more by altering the meaning or understanding of the concepts taught by the Lord than by changing the words themselves, close quote. Moreover, we should understand the twofold expression they have taken away, have they taken away, in terms of the language of the Deuteronomic canon formula text, e.g. Deuteronomy 4.2, 12.31, Masoretic text 13.1, with which Nephi would plausibly have been familiar. In other words, these things would undergo what the canon formulae warn against, the taking away from, or diminishing their essential content, not just the words themselves. The process of taking away covenants was likely similar. As Welch further indicates, covenants, quote, could be taken without deleting any words from the Bible as such. The knowledge and benefit of the covenants of God could become lost simply by neglecting the performance of ordinances or priesthood functions or individual covenants as the Lord had taught them. Quote. Nephi's angelic guide further ascribes a twofold motive to the great and abominable Gentile churches taking away of plain and most precious parts and covenants from these ancient Jewish texts and the gospel. First, this church intended to pervert the Lord's right ways or ways of truth. 
Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines the transitive verb pervert as denoting, quote, to turn from truth, propriety, or from its proper purpose, to distort from its true use or end, close quote. Second, through these textual and doctrinal alterations, the adherents of this church intended to, quote, blind the eyes and harden the hearts, close quote, of the entire human family. Matthews concludes, quote, If the foregoing words say anything, they say that the alteration of the text was deliberate and intentional and extensive and for unholy and wicked purposes. It is plain also that the corruption of the text was not simply a matter of interpretation or an awkward rendering of a few passages. It was not simply lost in the translation, close quote. The diminution of the inspired gospel, texts, and covenants was wide-ranging and thoroughgoing. There are many plain and precious things taken away from the book. The Gentiles' diminution of what became the Bible. Nephi's angelic guide then offers a further clarification and interpretation of what Nephi has seen. Quote, Wherefore thou seest that after the book hath gone forth, through the hands of the great and abominable church, that there are many plain and precious things, words, taken away from the book, which is the book of the Lamb of God, 1 Nephi 13.28. Laurie Driggs suggests that the expression through the hands, as used in this passage, quote, seems to imply a passage of time through the hands of many people and influences, close quote. In other words, the phrase through the hands seems to describe a diachronic textual transmission process of some length. However, this statement additionally may have some bearing on the later post-scriptural canonization process. The angels and Nephi's description of the biblical writings as collectively the book of the Lamb of God, verse 28 and 38, suggests God's regard for these writings as divinely inspired witnesses of Jesus Christ, even in their later diminished state. Nephi asserts that, in a later revelation to him, the Lord chided the Gentiles for their lack of gratitude for these sacred writings as the, quote, book that proceedeth forth from the mouth of a Jew, close quote, a Jew whom we might identify as those who wrote, copied, preserved, and handed down the biblical text, but also a Jew whom we might also identify as the Lord himself. Nephi records, quote, And because my words shall hiss forth, many of the Gentiles shall say, A Bible, a Bible, we have got a Bible, and there cannot be any more Bible. But thus saith the Lord God, O fools, they shall have a Bible, and it shall proceed forth from the Jews, mine ancient covenant people. And what thank they the Jews for the Bible which they receive from them? Yea, what do the Gentiles mean? Do they remember the travails and the labors and the pains of the Jews and their diligence unto me in bringing forth salvation unto the Gentiles? Second Nephi 29, 3-4 As a collective description, Jews, or Yehudim, describe those who are to be praised or thanked, not the least the Lord himself. 
we are fortunate to have the writings of the Bible in the condition that we have them, and we should thank the Jews of ages past for the writing and preservation of these texts. The Lord's description of, quote, the travails and the labors and the pains of the Jews and their diligence unto me in bringing forth salvation unto the Gentiles, close quote, in the preservation of the biblical texts stands in stark contrast to the efforts of Gentiles belonging to the great and abominable church to take away, keep back, and otherwise diminish from them described throughout 1 Nephi 13. Clearly, the Lord views the former much more favorably than the latter. Welch further notes that, quote, Although these records in the hands of the Gentiles will not be perfect, they will still be of great worth and will be amenable to corroboration, close quote. And exceedingly many do stumble, the spiritual costs of the diminution of Scripture. Notwithstanding the Jews' painstaking, diligent labors to preserve the biblical texts, they have suffered significant losses over time. It is important to acknowledge the reality of these losses and their cost in terms of how they have affected the ability of the honest in heart to fully draw near to God, or to, quote, come unto Christ and be perfected in him, Moroni 10.32, to fully make and keep covenants with God and to receive all that God offers his children in mortality. The reality is that the deliberate, unauthorized human diminution of God's laws, covenants, and scripture through taking away words and obscuring of their meaning, intentionally or not, has negatively impacted the ability of God's children to understand and live them, and has caused many to stumble in their faith. Nephi's angelic guide showed him the degree to which these losses had caused individuals to stumble and had put them within the power of the adversary. Quote, and after that these plain and precious things were taken away, it goeth forth unto all the nations of the Gentiles. And after it goeth forth unto all the nations of the Gentiles, yea, even across the many waters, which thou hast seen, with the Gentiles, which have gone forth out of captivity, and thou seest, because of the many plain and precious things which have been taken out of the book, which were plain unto the understanding of the children of men, according to the plainness which is in the Lamb of God. And because of these things which are taken away out of the gospel of the Lamb, an exceeding great many do stumble, yea, insomuch that Satan hath great power over them. First Nephi 13.29 The angel helped Nephi see that the unauthorized human diminution of Scripture by the Gentile great and abominable church, would have a devastating impact on the faith and religious praxis of the Gentiles themselves. The book, even without, quote, many of the plain and precious things taken out of the book, close quote, would enable widespread religiosity of a type later described by the Lord Joseph Smith as, quote, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Joseph Smith History 119. Nephi would later describe the prevalence of these religious conditions such that even, quote, the humble followers of Christ, close quote, would be, quote, led that in many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. Second Nephi 2814. 
In other words, many would stumble, and we are reminded of Lehi's description of, quote, they which had commenced in the path did lose their way, that they wandered off and were lost. 1 Nephi 8.23 Driggs asks, quote, After seeing this happen to the Bible, i.e. the human diminution of Scripture, and after being taught the significance of the restoration of plain and precious truth, is it any wonder that Nephi's soul delighteth in plainness? 2 Nephi 31.3 Indeed, Nephi's entire statement in 2 Nephi 31.3 appears to reflect on the stumbling that occurred on account of the deliberate taking away of plain and precious things that were, quote, plain under the understanding of the children of men, according to the plainness which is in the Lamb of God, close quote. Quote, For my soul delighteth in plainness, for after this manner doth the Lord God work among the children of men. For the Lord God giveth light unto the understanding, for he speaketh unto men according to their language, unto their understanding, close quote. The Hebrew term for stumble, and likely the one used by Nephi's angelic guide, is the verb kashal. The image of stumbling given here is akin to Isaiah's description of those in ancient Israel and Judah for whom the Lord would become, quote, a stone of stumbling, close quote, that would cause, quote, many among them, close quote, to stumble. Quote, and he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, Eben Negeb, and for a rock of offense, Tzur Mikshol, literally, rock of stumbling to both the houses of Israel, for a jinn and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble with kashalu, and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Isaiah 8, 14-15 This stumbling of the Gentiles also resembles another Isaiahic description of Israelite Judahite stumbling. Quote, but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward, stumble, wakashalu, and be broken and snared and taken. Isaiah 28.13 Furthermore, the image of numerous Gentiles stumbling on account of plain and precious things that have been unauthoritatively taken away from or taken out of the biblical text and the gospel, also recalls the results of the Lord's authoritative withdrawal of his plainness from the ancient Judahites. Quote, Wherefore, because of their, the ancient Judahites, blindness, which blindness came by looking beyond the mark, they must needs fall, for God hath taken away his plainness from them and delivered unto them many things, words, which they cannot understand, because they desired it. And because they desired it, God hath done it, that they may stumble. Saith Hebrew, Wekashalu. Jacob 4.14 Notably, the language of the subsequent verses, stone, reject the stone, stumbling, safe foundation, sure foundation, build, head of their corner, in verses 15 through 18, connects Jacob 4.14 with Isaiah 8.14 through 15, 
28.16 and Psalm 118.22 terms that help us see these texts as messianic. Although the causes of the stumbling of the Gentiles and the Jews, Judites, differ, cf. 1 Corinthians 1.23, the results are painfully similar. A loss of Christ as the covenant foundation stone. In neither case does the collective stumbling of these groups represent the Lord's ideal or desire, and the stumbling of both groups requires a common solution. The plain and most precious parts of the gospel which have been kept back, the semantic range of Hebrew Gerah. Nephi's angelic guide again intimates that the unauthorized human diminution of scripture is not limited to losses of physical text. The gospel itself, as generally understood among the human family, suffered such losses as to leave the Gentiles in, quote, an awful state of wickedness, quote. Quote, Nevertheless, thou beholdest that the Gentiles, which have gone forth out of captivity, and have been lifted up by the power of God above all other nations upon the face of the land, which is choice above all other lands, which is the land which the Lord God hath covenanted with thy father that his seed should have for the land of their inheritance. Wherefore thou seest that the Lord God will not suffer that the Gentiles will utterly destroy the mixture of thy seed which is among thy brethren. Neither will he suffer that the Gentiles shall destroy the seed of thy brethren. Neither will the Lord God suffer that the Gentiles shall forever remain in that awful state of wickedness which thou beholdest they are in, because of the plain and most precious parts of the gospel of the Lamb which have been kept back by that abominable church whose formation thou hast seen. Wherefore, saith the Lamb of God, I will be merciful unto the Gentiles, unto the visiting of the remnant of the house of Israel in great judgment. And it came to pass that the angel of the Lord spake unto me, saying, Behold, saith the Lamb of God, after I have visited the remnant of the house of Israel, and this remnant of which I speak is the seed of thy father, Wherefore, after that I have visited them in judgment, and smitten them by the hand of the Gentiles, and after the Gentiles do stumble exceedingly because of the most plain and precious parts of the gospel of the Lamb, which have been kept back by that abominable church, which is the mother of harlots, saith the Lamb. Wherefore, I will be merciful unto the Gentiles in that day, saith the Lamb, insomuch that I will bring forth unto them in mine own power much of my gospel, which shall be plain and precious, saith the Lamb. For behold, saith the Lamb, I will manifest myself unto thy seed, that they shall write many things which I shall minister unto them, which shall be plain and precious. And after thy seed shall be destroyed and dwindle in unbelief, and also the seed of thy brethren, behold, these things shall be hid up, to come forth unto the Gentiles by the gift and power of the Lamb. And in them shall be written my gospel, saith the Lamb, and my rock and my salvation. 1 Nephi 13, 30-36 The Hebrew verb garah, the verb employed in the Deuteronomic canon formula texts, Deuteronomy 4.2, 
12.31, Masoretic Text 13.1, and rendered diminish in the KJV, take or take away. In the Nifal stem also denotes to be taken away or kept back, as illustrated in Numbers 9.7, quote, And those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we kept back, Nigarah, that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel? The expressions take away and take back, similar if not synonymous in English, likely have the same Hebrew term ultimately underlying them. The repetition of take away, keep back, throughout 1 Nephi 13 underscores the deep conceptual connection between what the Deuteronomic canon formulas warn against and the unauthorized diminution of scripture foreseen and described in Nephi's vision. These last records, the functions of additional scriptural witnesses in offsetting textual and doctrinal diminution. Nephi's angelic guide reveals to Nephi that the Lord had a long-standing plan to remedy the human diminution of Scripture. This plan involved the coming forth of additional Scripture to redress conditions of apostasy among the Jews, the Gentiles, and the remnant of the seed of Lehi's children, i.e. the Lamanites. Quote, And after it had come forth unto them, I beheld other books which came forth by the power of the Lamb from the Gentiles unto them, under the convincing of the Gentiles and the remnant of the seed of my brethren, and also the Jews, which were scattered upon all the face of the earth, that the records of the prophets and of the twelve apostles of the Lamb are true. And the angel spake unto me, saying, These last records, which thou hast seen among the Gentiles, shall establish the truth of the first, which is of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, and shall make known the plain and precious things which have been taken away from them, and shall make known to all kindreds, tongues, and people that the Lamb of God is the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world, and that all men must come unto him or they cannot be saved. And they must come according to the words which shall be established by the mouth of the Lamb. And the words of the Lamb shall be made known in the records of thy seed, as well as in the record of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Wherefore, they both shall be established in one, for there is one God and one Shepherd over all the earth. And the time cometh that he shall manifest himself unto all nations, both unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles. And after that he hath manifested himself unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles, then he shall manifest himself unto the Gentiles and also unto the Jews. And the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. First Nephi 13, 39-42 Regarding the identity of the three groups described in Nephi's account of his vision and elsewhere, including Moroni's title page of the Book of Mormon, Sean D. Hopkins writes, quote, What did the titles Jew and Gentile signify for the Book of Mormon authors? Although the Book of Mormon was written to the convincing of the Jew and Gentile, elsewhere on the title page and in the Book of Mormon, the text broadens this dual designation to include three distinct groups, 
Jews, Gentiles, and descendants of Lehi, known in the latter days by the title Lamanites. See title page, 1 Nephi 13.39. Together, these three groups constitute all men. 1 Nephi 6.4, close quote from Sean Hopkins. The common solution to apostasy among all men is Jesus Christ himself, his atonement, and his doctrine. The angel's statement that, quote, all men must come unto him or they cannot be saved, close quote, constitutes what Nolby Reynolds has described as a meristic invocation of the doctrine of Christ. Merismus is a rhetorical device whereby a whole is invoked or referred to by two or more of its constituent parts. In other words, all six points of the doctrine of Christ are here invoked by the mention of two, enduring to the end in faith, hope, and charity, and receiving salvation or eternal life. Accordingly, Reynolds has convincingly shown that the concept of coming unto Christ is identical to enduring to the end in faith, hope, and charity, as detailed in 2 Nephi 31.20, as the fifth principle in the doctrine of Christ. Regarding the angel's teaching in 1 Nephi 13.40, Reynolds further observes, quote, Clarifying the same teaching to his questioning brothers, Nephi explains that men must gain a knowledge of the very points, the elements, of the Redeemer's doctrine, that they may know how to come unto him and be saved. 1 Nephi 15.14, close quote from Reynolds. Clearly, in order for one to embrace Christ and his doctrine and to fully live the latter, one must be convinced that the ancient, quote, records of the prophets and the twelve apostles of the Lamb are true, close quote, especially their testimony that Jesus is the Christ. Book of Mormon, title page, 2 Nephi 26.12, Mormon 5.14. The testimony of multiple distinct scriptural witnesses, in cooperation with the convincing power of the Holy Ghost, would serve to accomplish this. Indeed, in declaring that, quote, these last records shall establish, Yakimu, the truth of the first, close quote, Nephi's angelic guide invokes the Deuteronomic law of witnesses governing potential capital cases as codified in Deuteronomy 17.6, quote, At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, close quote. And 19.5, quote, At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter, debar, literally word, be established, yakum, close quote. The angel cites the Lord himself as a confirming scriptural witness when he foretells regarding, quote, the words, Hebrew, hadebarim, which shall be established, yakumu, i.e., rise up or stand up as a witness in a lawsuit, by or in the mouth of a lamb. And the words of a lamb shall be made known in the records of thy seed, First Nephi 13.41. This promise, conforming to the literal sense of Deuteronomy 19.15, with respect to words being established or standing up, has direct reference to the Savior's 
post-resurrection ministry among the descendants of Lehi, as would be recorded and preserved in Third Nephi, and the words which he would teach, words that frequently quoted ancient prophets, including Isaiah, Nephi, and his successors. Bruce Van Orden has observed that the, quote, law of witnesses, close quote, constitutes a dominant motif in Nephi's second book. I would go even further in proposing that Nephi's vision regarding scriptural witnesses, witnesses that include the Lord himself and the Deuteronomic law of witnesses, together constitute the source for the declaration with which Nephi concludes his small place record. Quote, And you that will not partake of the goodness of God and respect the words of the Jews, and also my words, and the words which shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the Lamb of God. Behold, I bid you an everlasting farewell, for these words shall condemn you at the last day. Second Nephi 33.14 Nephi's account of his vision uses a word translated establish, cf. Hebrew kum, yakim, for a third time with the angel's promise that the records of Nephi's posterity and the records that originated with the twelve apostles, quote, both shall be established in one, quote. A later revelation given to Nephi seems to equate these records being established in one with the Lord's restorative effort to have all his word, quote, gathered in one, close quote, and his people, quote, gathered home. Quote, and it shall come to pass that my people, which are of the house of Israel, shall be gathered home unto the lands of their possessions, and my word also shall be gathered in one. And I will show unto them that fight against my word and against my people, which are of the house of Israel, that I am God, and that I covenanted with Abraham that I would remember his seed forever. Second Nephi 29.14 Thus, the restoration of plain and precious words, doctrinal truths and covenants that had been taken away by the Gentile great and abominable church as part of the establishing in one or gathering in one of the Lord's word and his people represents a significant part of the Lord's final fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Under the taking away of their stumbling blocks, the spiritual blessings of scriptural and doctrinal restoration. Although the Gentiles themselves have taken away from, diminished, and otherwise kept back the divine word, Nephi holds forth prophetic hope these same Gentiles can have their stumbling blocks taken away. Quote, And it shall come to pass that if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, that he shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power, in very deed, unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks, if it so be that they harden not their hearts against the Lamb. And if it so be that they harden not their hearts against the Lamb of God, they shall be numbered among the seed of thy father. Yea, they shall be numbered among the house of Israel. And they shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever they shall be no more brought down into captivity, and the house of Israel shall no more be confounded. 1 Nephi 14, 1-2 Just as the Gentiles taking away from or keeping back the divine word, divine covenants, 
and the Savior's gospel has resulted in, quote, an exceedingly great many stumbling, 1 Nephi 13.29, the Lord will, quote, be merciful unto the Gentiles in that day, close quote, and, quote, bringing forth unto them much of my gospel, which shall be plain and precious, 1 Nephi 13.34, and thus amply provide for the taking away of the Gentiles' stumbling blocks. The ultimate result is that the faithful Gentiles, quote, shall be no more brought down into captivity, and the house of Israel shall no more be confounded, close quote. In Hebrew, the idea, he or they, shall no more do or be something, is frequently expressed with the idiom, Welo yosip, yosipu. The Gentiles and the house of Israel will thus receive interrelated and interdependent restorative blessings described in terms of this idiom. Nephi may derive these promises, at least in part, from an Isianic oracle that foretells the final end of Jerusalem's, Zion's, captivity. Quote, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more, lo Yosip od, come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Isaiah 52.1. More on this below. Nephi here appears to use the words of Isaiah to create a wordplay on, or onomastic reference to, the name Joseph, similar to the one that he creates at the end of his longest quotation of Isaiah's writings. Quote, the Lord will set his hand again, Yosip, the second time to restore his people from their lost and fallen state. Wherefore, he will proceed, Yosip, to do a marvelous work and a wonder among the children of men, that the promise may be fulfilled unto Joseph, Yosep, that his seed should never perish as long as the earth should stand. See Second Nephi 25, 17 and 21, See also 2 Nephi 29, 1-2. Many years later, Moroni draws directly on Nephi's Joseph wordplay, here in 1 Nephi 14, 1-2, and later in 15:20, when he creates an even more transparent wordplay on Joseph in terms of the Hebrew idiom, Welo Yosipu. Quote, Wherefore the remnant of the house of Joseph, Yoseb, shall be built upon this land, and it shall be a land of their inheritance. And they shall build up a holy city unto the Lord, like unto the Jerusalem of old. And they shall no more, Welo Yosipu, be confounded, until the end come when the earth shall pass away. Ether 13.8 Like Nephi's Joseph wordplay, Moroni's Joseph wordplay is ultimately rooted in the language of Isaiah. Nephi's description of the Lord manifesting himself unto the Gentiles in word, power, and deed unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks nicely matches Zenos's description of the Lord of the vineyard and his servants preparing the way or clearing the way for the growth of the covenant tree branches, Jacob 5, 61 and 64, by clearing away the branches bringing forth bitter or bad fruit, Jacob 5, 65 through 66. 
both constitute apt metaphors for the spiritual and doctrinal restoration that enables integration or reintegration into the Lord's covenant people. They shall be numbered again among the house of Israel, reintegration into the covenant family. A connection between Nephi's vision and Zenos' allegory of the olive tree is already signaled at the end of 1 Nephi 13 with a prophetic promise, quote, And the time cometh that he shall manifest himself unto all nations, both unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles. And after that he hath manifested himself unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles, then he shall manifest himself unto the Gentiles and also unto the Jews. And the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. First Nephi 13.42 This promise directly corresponds to the instructions given by the Lord of the vineyard in Zenith's allegory to his servants. Quote, Graft in the branches, beginning at the last, that they may be first, and that the first may be last. And dig about the trees, both old and young, the first and the last, the last and the first, that all may be nourished once again, cf. Hebrew Yosipu, for the last time. Jacob 5.63 An even stronger connection emerges in Nephi's explanation of his father's dream vision to his brothers. Quote, Behold, I say unto you, yea, they shall be numbered again, cf. Hebrew Yosipu, among the house of Israel, they shall be grafted in, being a natural branch of the olive tree, into the true olive tree. First Nephi 15.16 Firstly, we should note here with Royal Skousen that, quote, they shall be numbered again, close quote, constitutes the correct reading versus they shall be remembered again, as currently printed in the Book of Mormon. The idiom numbered again occurs in Numbers 147, 233, 2662, rendering the Hebrew words hotpakedu, be mustered, be counted, and betok, among, literally, in the midst of. In the latter two instances, the biblical text specifically describes how the Levites were, quote, not numbered among the children of Israel, or enrolled, NRSV, with the other tribes when censuses of the house of Israel were taken. The collocation remembered among occurs only in Ezekiel 25.10. In the Book of Mormon, the idiom numbered among frequently recurs, whereas remembered among occurs nowhere. Thus the phrase numbered again among makes much better sense of reintegration into the Lord's covenant family than the odd and uncertain phrase remembered again among. Secondly, Nephi's use of a passive verb rendered grafted in, and the phrases natural branch of the olive tree and into the true olive tree, gives his statement away as a direct allusion to the writings of Zenos on the small plains. Noel Reynolds observes that, quote, Nephi joins two metaphors together when, on the one hand, he speaks of being grafted into the true olive tree, 1 Nephi 15.16, and speaks of coming unto the true fold, 1 Nephi 15.15. It may be that Zenos referred to Israel also as sheep that were scattered and needed to be gathered into the true fold, 
1 Nephi 22.25, Helaman 15.13, as other prophets described Israel. See Ezekiel 34 and Jeremiah 23.31 and 50, close quote from Reynolds. Thirdly, Nephi's use of the Hebraistic, quote, they shall, again, Hebrew Yosipu, in the phrase, they shall be numbered again, recalls Zenos's similar use of this idiom in his allegory in describing the grafting in of the branches into their mother tree, or the natural tree. Quote, I have grafted in the natural branches again into their mother tree, and have preserved the roots of their mother tree, that perhaps the trees of my vineyard may bring forth again good fruit, and that I may have joy again in the fruit of my vineyard, and perhaps that I may rejoice exceedingly that I have preserved the roots and the branches of the first fruit. Jacob 5.60 Quote, And the branches of the natural tree will I graft in again into the natural tree, and the branches of the natural tree will I graft into the natural branches of the tree. And thus will I bring them together again, that they shall bring forth the natural fruit, and they shall be one. Jacob 5, 67-68 They should no more be confounded, neither should they be scattered again. The restoration and final gathering of Israel in fulfillment of divine covenant. Nephi's first explicit mention of the prophet Isaiah occurs in his explanation of the, quote, things which his father saw, close quote, in 1 Nephi 15. In explaining how the Lord would fulfill the Abrahamic covenant, 1 Nephi 15.18, including, quote, the restoration of the Jews in the latter days, 1 Nephi 15.19, Nephi states, quote, And I did rehearse unto them the words of Isaiah, which spake concerning the restoration of the Jews, or of the house of Israel. And after that they were restored, they should no more be confounded, neither should they be scattered again. C.F. Hebrew, Welo Yosipu. 1 Nephi 15, 20-21 Like 1 Nephi 14, 1-2 and 1 Nephi 15, 16, 1 Nephi 15, 20-21 is textually dependent on Isaiah. Although Nephi does not directly specify which of the words of Isaiah he rehearsed or quoted, his paraphrasis suggests that he may have cited, in addition to Isaiah 11, 11-12, Isaiah 52.1 and 54.4, quote, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more, lo, Yosip, ode, come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Isaiah 52.1, quote, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. Isaiah 54, 4. Significantly, Moroni concludes the entire Book of Mormon with a prophetic juxtaposition of these two same passages. Quote, and awake and arise from the dust, O Jerusalem, yea, and put on thy beautiful garments, O daughter of Zion, and strengthen thy stakes, and enlarge thy borders forever, that thou mayest no more, 
way lo tosif od, be confounded, that the covenants of the Eternal Father, which he hath made unto thee, O house of Israel, may be fulfilled. Moroni 10.31 Moroni's replication and repetition of Nephi's wordplay in Ether 13a and here in Moroni 10.31 indicates that he knew what Nephi and Joseph in Egypt knew. Aside from the Lord himself, the servant who would play the most crucial role in bringing to pass Israel's restoration through the adding of Scripture and plain and precious words, concepts, law, and covenants that had been taken away and kept back would be a Joseph. Summary and Conclusion Near the end of his Tree of Life vision, 1 Nephi 11-14, through 14, an angelic guide shows Nephi the unauthorized human diminution of Scripture and the Gospel by the Gentile Great and Abominable Church, 1 Nephi 13. Nephi witnesses that plain and precious things, words, teachings, covenants, were taken away and kept back from originally Israelite Jewish texts that eventually became the canonical Bible with which we are familiar. These textual and conceptual losses drastically affected the ability of the Gentiles to live out the teachings contained within the Bible. Moreover, Nephi saw the processes through which the Lord would act to restore those lost words, teachings, and covenants among the Gentiles through additional scriptural witnesses, quote, under the taking away of their stumbling blocks, 1 Nephi 14.1. The language of 1 Nephi 13, describing the taking away and keeping back of scripture, recalls the pointed prohibitions of the Deuteronomic Canon Formula Texts, Deuteronomy 4.2, 12.31, Masoretic Text 3.1, against diminishing from divinely given law. It further recalls the ideological meanings attached to the name Joseph in Genesis 30.23-24 in terms of taking away and adding. Nephi's prophecies of scripture and gospel restoration on account of which, quote, they, the Gentiles, shall be no more, cf. Hebrew lo yosipu od, brought down into captivity, and the house of Israel shall no more, welo yosipu od, be confounded, First Nephi 14.2, and that, quote, after that they were restored, they should no more be confounded, welo yosipu od, neither should they be scattered again, welo yosipu od, 1 Nephi 15.20, depend on the language of Isaiah. Like other Isaiah-based prophecies of Nephi, e.g. 2 Nephi 25.17 and 21, and 29.1-2, through 2, they also echo the name of the prophet through whom lost scripture and gospel covenants would be restored, i.e. through a Joseph. Moroni's Joseph wordplay in Ether 13.8, helps us more clearly see what Nephi intended. It also helps us see how the Lord would ensure that the remnant of Lehi's seed would be, quote, numbered again, Yosipu, among the house of Israel, 1 Nephi 15.16. Viewed in relation to the add-diminish language of the canon formula, 
The angel's revelation to Nephi regarding the attempted human diminution or taking away of the divine word and covenants and the prophetic Isaiahic promises regarding gathering of Israel, the reader can better appreciate the Semitic Hebrew name Yosep as an expression of Joseph Smith's divinely appointed prophetic role. Nephi knew that a Joseph would be raised up as a seer expressly for the addition, re-addition, and full restoration of scripture and divine covenants and the gathering of his people. See again 2 Nephi 3, 6-15, and 21-29-1. The results will eventually be that the Gentiles will, quote, no more be brought down into captivity, close quote, and that the house of Israel, quote, shall no more be confounded, close quote, nor be scattered again. First Nephi 14, 1-2, All who come into the covenant will be numbered again among the Lord's people. First Nephi 15, 16. That is, be fully integrated or reintegrated in his divine family. The taking away of their stumbling blocks, 1 Nephi 14.1, will ultimately prepare the way, Jacob 5.61 and 64, not only for the growth and complete restoration or return of Israel, but for the fulfillment of every divine promise in the covenant of the Father, which is the full extension of the blessings of Jesus Christ's atonement in time and eternity to all who are willing to receive them. Author's note, I would like to thank Susie Bowen, Alan Wyatt, Jeff Lindsay, Victor Wirth, Tanya Spackman, Debbie and Dan Peterson, Alan Sykes, and Kyla Rasmussen. Matthew L. Bowen was raised in Orem, Utah, and graduated from Brigham Young University. He holds a Ph.D. in Biblical Studies from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and is currently an associate professor in religious education at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. He is also the author of Name as Keyword, Collected Essays on Onomastic Wordplay and the Temple in Mormon Scripture, Salt Lake City, Interpreter Foundation, and Eborn Books, 2018. With Aaron P. Shade, he is the co-author of The Book of Moses, From the Ancient of Days to the Latter Days, Provo, Utah, Salt Lake City, Religious Studies Center and Deseret Book, 2021. He and his wife, the former Suzanne Blattberg, are the parents of three children, Zechariah, Nathan, and Adele. This has been a recording of Under the Taking Away of Their Stumbling Blocks, the taking away and keeping back of plain and precious things and their restoration in 1 Nephi 13-15 by Matthew L. Bowen published in Interpreter, a Journal of Latter-day Saint Faith and Scholarship, Volume 53, 2022, read by Victor Wirth. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged, the journal and its website are credited, and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles on Latter-day Saint Scripture can be found at journal.interpreterfoundation.org More information about the Interpreter Foundation along with a wide array of additional resources can be found at interpreterfoundation.org